This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 42. In this episode, I will tell the story of the races around the world on foot, including Romanian legend Dimitri Don. During the early 1900s, nearly every around-the-world-on-foot walker mentioned a wager as their motivation for making the attempt, similar to Jules Verne's Phileas Fogg's wager in his 1872 fictional novel Around the World in 80 Days. Beginning around 1904, a new twist appeared. Some of the Globetrotters claimed that they were part of a race or competition with others to be the first to circle the globe on foot within a certain period. Such a competitive event created a stir of interest when walkers came into town. Wow, it sounded like a modern-day Amazing Race reality show. One common thread involving these race claims was that they were organized by the Touring Club de France. Did this organization really get involved in pedestrian races? One participant in such a race was a famous Romanian globetrotter, Dimitri Don. Numerous articles about him in recent years claim that he was the first person to walk around the world and he is considered a Romanian hero. Was he truly a participant of a race and did he really walk 63,000 miles around the world as he claimed? The Touring Club de France was established in 1890 as a French social club devoted to travel. It was founded by cyclists and grew to more than 50,000 members by 1900 when the club was also promoting automobilism. The club published a journal about places of interest in Europe and the conditions of the roads. It spent millions of dollars on improving roads and putting up road signs. It also offered many annual prizes to encourage planting and the preservation of trees. Organizing races was not part of their mission. In January 1905, F. Consigny of Paris, France, arrived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, claimed to be leading a five-year foot race around the world that started in Paris in 1899. He said that the race was organized by the Touring Club of France, with 14 starters. Consigny declared that he was 2,000 miles ahead of the second-place competitor, who was somewhere in Austria. Their route was said to be an unorganized zigzag route in Europe. He said that he had taken a ship from Liverpool to Philadelphia and was on his way to San Francisco and then to South America for a first place prize of $5,800. That was the only time Consigny was found in a newspaper article. He was an obvious fraud, but because the article about him was republished in other newspapers, the idea of a globetrotting foot race sponsored by the Touring Club of France was established in the minds of readers, ready to be copied by others. Gustave Laurent, a French sailor, showed up at St. Louis, Missouri in November 1904. He also claimed that the Touring Club of France had organized a walking competition and he was trying to win a prize of 10,000 francs. He needed to cross five continents on foot, penniless, within five years. His race started in Marseille, France in 1902. He claimed that he was arrested and thrown into prison in Russia because they thought he was a Japanese spy. 
This was an assertion that would be copied by later Globetrotters. He carried a scrapbook of letters from officials of countries he'd visited and was going to set up shop at the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Checking his pace from appearances in newspaper articles, he walked from Washington, D.C. to St. Louis, Missouri, a distance of 1,000 miles in only six days. The only walking he really did was between train cars. It was all a fraud. He spent the spring of 1905 obviously riding trains, zigzagging through the Midwest, and then reaching Grand Junction, Colorado in July 1905. The paper wrote, Globetrotting is becoming too much like a business for the general public to take a lively interest in individuals who are doing that stunt. If there has been one through here in the last 12 years, there has been a dozen. All with the same old hackneyed tale of making a wager, etc, etc. He made record speed to Salt Lake City and admitted to the newspaper that he freely also rode on freight trains and did so between Grand Junction and Salt Lake City. Why did anyone pay attention to him? On October 31, 1905, while riding a southbound freight train between Redding and Red Bluff, California, Laurent was shot and killed during a holdup by hobos. Thus, this was the second bogus story that the Turing Club of France was putting on a walking around the world competition. Each of the races didn't happen. It was all a charade. When we played a charade, we were like children posing, playing at games, acting out names, guessing the parts we played. Henry Vincent Mosset, a Frenchman and a chauffeur, started to appear in 1907 newspapers claiming a fantastic around-the-world tale. He first showed up in Hawaii in June 1907. Mosse declared that he was involved in an amazing race involving the Touring Club of France. He said that in 1904, the Touring Club of France and the Sportsman Club of London jointly offered a prize of 50,000 francs in a walking race around the world. The alleged race began simultaneously at Lyon, France and London. To win the prize, the winners needed to arrive in Lyon within four years. He said the clubs wanted to prove whether the French or the English were the hardiest and could stand the most inconvenience. Mosse said that eight contestants started. Their conditions were the same as bogus walks of the time. They could not beg, borrow, or steal. Mosse would give lectures along the way to earn money, although he only really spoke French. He sadly explained in Hawaii that six of the contestants were dead, quote, given into the hardships of the trail or had met with violent deaths from savage tribes met in their wanderings. He said that the only remaining contestant was somewhere ahead of him in the United States. By the time he reached San Francisco, California by steamer on June 1907, the details of his story changed dramatically. He now said that the eight all left from Lyon, France together and that they traveled in pairs. There were four Englishmen and four Frenchmen. We all left Lyon on June 14, 1904. Two of the men went by way of America, two by the Australian route, two went at once into Africa. My traveling companion and myself started across Europe. 
Mosse's fantastic story now stated that the lone remaining Englishman was currently in India. Mosse has learned that six of his contestants have died. Three passed away in Australia from sickness. Two were reported killed by robbers in Ethiopia, cutting their heads off. Another one died in Constantinople and one in China. The surviving Englishman, George Moss, is considered out of the race. Mosse said, My companion died in Constantinople. I traveled on through Turkey, Bulgaria, and Russia, where I was arrested as a Japanese spy and was held for 45 days. Note the Japanese spy story used earlier by Laurent. In China, I was captured by highwaymen. They took my money and arms and held me captive for four days, but finally returned my gun and let me go. The bandits treated him well and even offered him a Chinese wife if he wanted to remain. At Los Angeles, Mosse claimed that he had traveled more than 19,000 miles. He was clad in a white uniform and wore a sweater that once was white. Around his waist was a belt filled with cartridges for the shotgun, which he carried with him for more than three years. His few necessities he carries in a pack upon his back. After Los Angeles in only 10 days, he appeared in Tucson, Arizona, which would have involved averaging more than 55 miles per day in the blazing summer heat across the desert, an impossibility. There was a gap in news coverage from August until December 1907 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Was Mosse still walking during that time? Actually, no. My research discovered that on September 26, 1907, he boarded the sailing ship Louisiana at France. He had actually abandoned his fake walk for a few months and made a quick trip home to France, and then sailed to New Orleans to continue his scam. Three days later, the New Orleans newspaper announced that he would be given a lecture that night. From the South, miraculously, in less than a month, Mosse somehow covered about 1,000 miles during the winter cold, averaging about 75 miles per walking day, and arrived in New York City. <laughs> the story how his fellow contestants died changed, and the remaining one, Moss, had committed suicide. Curiously, his plans changed, and he didn't take a steamer for France to cross the Atlantic to win the prize in France. Instead, he continued toward Boston, Massachusetts, where he claimed to be the sole survivor of the race. A month later, he showed up in Montreal, far out of his way. His trip ended in Quebec City among his fellow Frenchmen, and it is believed he settled there. Later, he shared what happened after he went to Quebec City. Mosse met with the greatest hard luck. The vessel in which he was to sail was delayed for 24 hours, and he arrived in Paris one day too late to win the handsome prize. This is strange, because he was supposed to finish in Lyon, France, 280 miles to the south. He must have forgotten where the finish was. Looking at the evidence, Mosse's globetrotter race was a farce. He was the only source that such a race existed involving the Touring Club of France. Thus, the third alleged Touring Club of France race never happened. You would think that would be the last one, but there was one more. Dimitri Don was from Busseau, Romania, and eventually became a recognized hero of his city. 
Some believe he was the first person to walk around the globe, and in 1978, he was listed in the Guinness Book of World Records. Decades after his walk, a reporter tape recorded an interview with Don, and he gave a detailed story of his historic walk. Most biographers for him have believed everything he stated in his lectures and the interview without doing any fact-checking. Dimitri Dan claimed that in 1908, the Touring Club of France announced a six-year around-the-world-on-foot race with a prize of a staggering 100,000 francs. Like the previous Turing Club claims, no evidence has been found that such a race was actually organized by the club. Dimitri Don likely copied this race idea involving the Turing Club from the other globetrotters before him. It was a creative reason to globetrot around the world. He later changed this story while in America. He claimed that the participants were to leave from the capital city of their home country, getting their itinerary approved ahead of time, and support themselves along the way. He said that there were more than 200 people who entered and started. Many French, English, German, Italian, Spanish, American amateurs came from different countries, of which 196 foreigners were admitted and four Romanians, 200 persons in all. But curiously, news of such a significant international race hasn't been found in any newspapers at a time when they were filled with other globetrotting news. If there were really such an international event with 200 walkers, it would have received intense press coverage similar to the 1928-29 Bunyan Derbies across America, which had runners from many countries. But for this around-the-world race, there was silence in the press. In reality, the Touring Club of France didn't care about pedestrianism. They were all about bicycling and automobile touring at the time. As the story was told by Don, he and three other Romanians were students in Paris. They decided that they should take up the challenge. The others were Paul Parvu, George Negrinu, and Alexandru Pascu. The four returned to Romania to get ready for their journey. They came up with the idea to perform along the way and learned Romanian folk songs and dances to earn money along the way. Don's story of his travels began two years later on April 1st, 1910. The four began their journey from Budapest, Romania in the rain. His claimed route would not be on a path circling the globe. It would be a route north to south, east to west in various continents and countries around the world. They each carried a pack that weighed about 18 pounds and were accompanied by a dog. At Vienna, Austria, they put on their first performances. They went through Germany and at the Denmark border were initially arrested as spies but soon released. They went through the Scandinavian countries and then entered Russia, arriving at Moscow at the end of July 1910. Checking their mileage at this point, it was about 3,700 miles in four months. That was a very tough 31 miles per day if they took no days off. This is another red flag of concern for legitimacy of his story. After another three months and 2,000 miles, they were in Persia, Iran. Don said from Moscow to Tehran, they ate tea, eggs, bread, and walked a minimum of 10 hours a day. They next headed into present-day Iraq to Baghdad. 
The Arabs could not understand why they were walking instead of riding camels. In vain we did explain the purpose of our walk. They nodded and they pitied us, believing us to be sick, poor, or greedy. They went on to Jerusalem and then to Egypt and saw the pyramids. So far we had a hard road. The topical heat was burning our face, and at our feet the sand was burning. At small intervals there came a large storm of sand that closed our way and in other places surrounded us by the belt. Water was lacking everywhere and our supplies were running out. Don claimed that they walked south through eastern Africa, then across Madagascar, and then 2,100 more kilometers in Australia. While traveling on ships, they walked a minimum of 10 hours per day and used early pedometers to track their kilometers. They claimed that the contest rules demanded walking on ships. Checking their mileage and pace again, during the first half of 1911, their walking route was more than 8,000 miles, averaging about an impossible 100 kilometers on each of their walking days, across the hot sands of the desert, through the thick jungles of Africa, and in the primitive outback of Australia. This sadly invalidates their walking claims for those months in 1911. It just wasn't possible, no matter how hard you want to believe it. If they truly walked in the countries as Don claimed, they would have had to skip thousands of miles of walking. From Australia, they did a little walking in New Zealand, and then traveled as tourists, taking steamers in places like Java and Singapore. In India, they only walked for 62 days. There, sadly, Pascu accidentally overdosed on opium and died on July 17, 1911. The remaining three sailed to South Africa. Don claimed that they walked up the west coast of Africa, another totally impossible 7,000 miles in five months for more than 17,000 miles of walking in 1911. Analysis shows this did not happen. Assuming they actually did visit these African countries, travel was not by foot. It was just too far to be humanly possible in that very rugged, slow, and primitive area. In January 1912, Don claimed that they arrived by ship in South America in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where they observed twisted streets, dirty markets, and ruined houses. They had great success putting on their folk dance shows in Rio and also gave lectures. He next claimed to do an impossible walk through the rugged and very sparsely settled South America along a route of more than 10,000 miles in just a few months. In those years, it was impossible to walk those countries and across those high mountains, waterless plains, and thick jungles in just a few months. It would have taken multiple years. Their claim just didn't happen. You must accept the fact that they were not walking these distances. If they truly were in South America, they were traveling by other means. Casting more doubt that Don walked through South America is this fact. In that February, a Dimitru Don from Romania was recorded as being on the ship President Grant that sailed from Hamburg, Germany to New York City during the time when Don claimed to be in South America. After South America, Don claimed that they steamed to San Francisco, California, and then steamed across the Pacific for 27 days to Japan, then to Hong Kong, and into China. 
while crossing a narrow mountain pass in the mountains in China, Nagreen Yu fell off a cliff into a creek, breaking bones and incurring serious internal injuries. The other two pulled him back up, and he was carried to a nearby village. He died the next day in a hospital. The remaining two went 1,000 miles to Vladivostok, Russia, and then claimed to go another impossible remote 6,000 miles to spend the winter of 1912-1913 in eastern Siberia, experiencing temperatures down to negative 30 Fahrenheit. Don then claimed that they walked over the Bering Strait in the spring where they came upon a Dutch ship in the ice just as they were running out of food. They stayed a few days and replenished their supplies. They then continued to walk to Alaska. This story and all these miles in that short a time frame was fantastically impossible. Crossing the Bering Strait on foot is extremely difficult and would have to be carried out in the winter, not the spring. There is a strong current flowing north through the strait which usually creates large channels of open water making it a very slow journey. Don's timeline was impossibly fast. Modern attempts to cross the strait have ended with helicopter rescues on the ice. Don claimed that they then walked more than 1,600 miles in the snow across the very primitive Alaska wilderness. Many times we were attacked by Eskimos, throwing stones and pieces of ice at us. Clearly he didn't understand that Alaska is not just ice and Eskimos. That walk in Alaska at that time was impossible to make. There is no roads along that route, and it is heavily forested, and the distance would have been much further, more than 5,000 miles, another obvious fabrication. My analysis concludes that the entire Russia-Siberia-Alaska journey was fictional, and also conflicts with what Don told the newspapers later in the United States. In 1914, Don arrived in Vancouver, Canada. Evidence of his presence in Vancouver appeared in the Vancouver newspaper on June 1914. About Don, it was written, He styles himself the globe-trotting Romanian artist-dancer. There was no mention that Parvu was with him, and it is believed that Don was alone. To the newspapers, Don clarified what actually took place in 1912 to 1913 during the time when he was supposed to be in Russia and Alaska. He said that he left his journey and went to take part in the 1912 to 1913 Balkan War, which delayed him for more than six months and likely for an entire year. He said that he spent four months fighting and two months in the hospital with an injured hand. He was very proud of his service in that war. From Vancouver, Don claimed that he walked to San Francisco, Acapulco, San Salvador, Managua, San Jose, Casablanca, and Algiers, a distance of about 5,000 miles. Did he really walk to Central America as he claimed? No, he did not. He would have had to run more than 5,000 miles in one week. Here is why. Ship passenger records show he actually arrived in Quebec City, Canada on the Grampian steamship three weeks after being in Vancouver. The ship came from Glasgow, Scotland. He probably steamed from Vancouver to Panama, went through the canal, then to Scotland, and then back to Canada during those short three weeks. He was on a ship nearly the entire time. Don's claim that he walked to Central America did not happen. Also of interest is that Paul Parvu 
was not on the Grampian passenger list and was not with him. Don also falsely claimed that during that short period of time that they had walked thousands of miles through Europe and Great Britain. He said while there, they had met with the race organizers and found out that they were the only two of the 200 still in the race. Since he was never in mainland Europe during that time, and no English newspapers ever reported he walked in Great Britain, it was all unfortunately a fabrication and further shows that the race story was made up. After a month in Quebec and a 600-mile walk claim, on August 1st, 1914, Don crossed the border into America at Niagara Falls with immigration record evidence. Parvu was not with him. Don confirmed that he entered Canada on the steamship Grampian. Don arrived in nearby Buffalo, New York two days later, and according to newspaper reports, Parvu was not mentioned. During the next week, Dermitru Don traveled nearly 200 miles to Cleveland, Ohio, a very difficult and far journey. A month later, he was in Chicago, Illinois. Further evidence was revealed that the alleged Touring Club of France competition was a farce. Don gave a totally different story in Chicago to the newspaper reporters. He said that he was walking on a wager between several rich Budapest citizens and that he must visit the capitals of 54 countries and walk 63,000 miles. A month later, in October, Parvu was finally with him again. The two Romanians arrived in Akron, Ohio, heading east again. There they again changed the purpose of their walk. They said that they had been sent out by the National Romanian Association, a sporting organization. From Ohio, they said to the newspapers that they were going to Washington, D.C., to Florida, Mexico, Panama, and back to Europe. Why would they head back to Mexico and Panama if they had already been there, as Dan claimed in later years? Only three weeks after being in Washington, D.C., they were seen about 1,000 miles away in Florida, an impossible, unbelievable journey on foot, averaging about 48 miles per day without days off. And Don later said Parvu was severely injured and could barely walk. It was not possible. At Jacksonville, Florida, Parvu quit the journey, but Don continued on. Parvu's injured legs developed gangrene. Both his legs were amputated and he died. No evidence was found about Parvu's death. Don arrived alone in Tampa, Florida. Clad in the costume usual to his country and covered with medals of all description. He said the reason for his walk was for a scientific purpose, not a contest. And he made a living selling postcards of himself. On January 18, 1915, Don arrived in Havana, Cuba. Hundreds of people were waiting for me. Many sportsmen and journalists would follow me through the stay. From there, he went on to Haiti, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, Barbados, and Venezuela, where he met with the president. On 1915, Don sailed from Cuba, arriving the next day in Puerto Rico. He appeared on the passenger list and told them his profession was globetrotter. Don sailed to Lisbon, Portugal. At Madrid, Spain, he said to the newspaper reporters that he had walked 96,000 kilometers. He would give that same figure the next year, so apparently he stopped his walk soon after arriving back in Europe. He also told the Madrid newspaper that when he was on ships, that he walked on deck the same number of miles as the ship traveled, which of course was impossible because the steamships traveled up to 17 miles per hour around the clock. 
John said that he reached Romania on March 29, 1916, just two days before the six-year deadline, but said that he still needed 4,000 more kilometers. He stopped because of World War I. He served for Romania during the war and received a medal for his service. In 1923, Don claimed that the Touring Club of France established a remaining itinerary for him to finish his walk. On July 20th, 1923, he said that he reached France, received the prize of 100,000 francs, and was given the title of World Champion. He declared that he crossed five continents over three oceans through 76 countries in more than 1,500 cities and wore out 497 pair of shoes. Let's examine the likelihood that Don walked 60,000 miles between 1910 and 1916. We know that he took about a year off for the Balkan War. He told the newspaper that. Thus, 60,000 miles in five years is 12,000 miles per year, 1,000 miles per month, and 33 miles every single day without any days off. Obviously, he took many days off, so that average would have to be much higher. No runner in the modern era has been known to legitimately log more than 10,000 miles in a year. With Don's claim, he would have to do more than 12,000 miles a year for five years. Don's 63,000 miles or 100,000 kilometers of walking did not happen. How much did he actually walk? We wish we knew. In 1978, the Guinness Records said that Dimitru Don was, quote, the only man of 200 entrants to succeed in walking 100,000 kilometers in a contest organized by the Touring Club of France. There is no way for the Guinness people to validate the claim at that time. They just trusted the story that was submitted to them. Dimitri Don never became a rich man. He went on to work in social insurance, gave thousands of lectures in schools, and was a geography teacher. Don's daughter reported that he died poor at the age of 90 in 1979. Don didn't leave much behind about his adventure. His daughter only had a handful of photos from his journey. She was sorry that the world had forgotten him. But as blogs and news stories about him started to appear after 2010, he became a national hero. In 2017, a new impressive grave monument was created to honor him. No firm evidence has been found that the Touring Club of France was ever involved in competitions to walk around the world. Dimitri Don was not the first person to walk around the world. Konstantin Ringarten of Latvia likely was the first in 1898. Don didn't circle the globe on foot, nor did he walk 63,000 miles along the routes he claimed. But he indeed appeared to travel widely. Based on the newspaper stories found, there is a possibility that Don actually only truly walked during 1914 and 1915, and then he later embellished his experience. Nearly all the globetrotters of that time embellished and overstated their accomplishments. 
ultra-running historian Andy Milroy added, quote, Starting off with unrealistic, naive expectations, the participants gradually compromise, take shortcuts, which is edited from the accounts and possibly from their memories. They often believe what they are saying is true. They become part of their fictionalized narrative. Dmitri Don lived an otherwise honorable life as a teacher. We will never know the amount of legitimate walking he accomplished. When we played our charade, we were like children posing, playing at games, acting up names, guessing the parts we With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>